the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Our God is the God of the second chance. I hope you know that. Our God is the God of the second chance. God came to Jonah a second time. And Jonah is not the only person in the Bible that God gave a second chance. There are actually many, many people in the Bible who blew it and who messed up big time, who disobeyed God and went their own way, and God came to them a second time and gave them a second chance. One of the tough things about being a parent is having your kids let you down. They do something you and they know they shouldn't have, or they make a promise and fail to keep it. Even knowing that they're fallen people, just like you, it still hurts just a little bit. This should give you some insight into how God feels when you let Him down. But as Pastor Dan will be teaching, God is always there, ready to pick you up. The other thing, as you'll see from Jonah's story, is that God's plan for you never changes. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jonah chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. chapter 3. We're also going to look at a couple verses in Jeremiah chapter 18. So we want to go ahead and find that in your Bible so you can turn there quickly when the time comes. And let me, uh, let me pray for us before we get into the Word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the way that you speak to us every time we open it. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your Word. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jonah chapter 3, just as a review, remember God called Jonah to go to Nineveh to cry out against that city because of its great wickedness, but Jonah did not obey the Lord. Instead, Jonah got on a ship heading as far from Nineveh as he possibly could go in his day, Uh, and then God sent a great windstorm that threatened to destroy the ship. And Jonah told the crew to toss him overboard and the storm would cease, which the crew eventually did. They tossed him overboard. But God, in his grace, had prepared a fish, a great fish, to swallow Jonah and to preserve his life. And it was in the belly of the fish that Jonah finally prayed to God. And chapter 2 ended with verse 10 telling us, So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And so Jonah was deposited back on the dry land. A little smelly, a little slimy, but at least he's safe and sound back on dry land after spending three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Now that brings us to chapter three, 
where it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. God spoke to Jonah a second time and God repeated his calling to Jonah saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and preach to it the message that I tell you. Jonah had rebelled against God, as you know. He disobeyed the Lord. He tried to flee from God. But that did not disqualify Jonah from the ministry that God called him to. Our God is the God of the second chance. And I hope you know that. Our God is the God of the second chance. God came to Jonah a second time. And Jonah is not the only person in the Bible that God gave a second chance. There are actually many, many people in the Bible who blew it. And who messed up big time. Who disobeyed God and went their own way. And God came to them a second time and gave them a second chance. Abraham, for example. God called Abraham to leave his homeland of Ur in the Chaldees and go to the promised land Abraham left Ur, and when he got to Haran, he stopped. And he stayed in Haran, and God had to come to Abraham a second time and tell Abraham to continue the journey and go to the promised land and complete his calling. And then when Abraham arrived in the promised land, remember there was a famine in the land. So what did Abraham do? Abraham went down to Egypt. Instead of trusting God by faith, he walked by sight, and he went down to Egypt And if you remember, when he got to Egypt, Abraham lied about his wife, Sarah. And he did that not once, but twice. On two separate occasions. And God still used Abraham. God didn't set him aside. God didn't say to Abraham, you know what, Abraham, I don't think I can trust you. You keep going off the rails here. I I need to just find somebody else for this. Or what about Moses? Moses murdered an Egyptian and buried his body in the sand. And then he had to flee to the desert and was living on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And then God appeared to him and called him. God appeared to him in the burning bush and called him to lead the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt. Or David. David committed adultery and then arranged for the murder of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, To cover his sin. And by the way in the law. There is no sacrifice that can be made. For adultery and murder. There's no provision for that. And yet God did not get rid of David. In the New Testament. You have Peter. Peter who declared that he was willing to die. For the Lord Jesus Christ. But then denied. That he even knew the Lord. But that didn't disqualify Peter, and you know the story after the resurrection, Jesus sought out Peter and restored him or even the nation of Israel. They rejected their Messiah, Jesus Christ, when he came to them the first time instead of receiving him, they crucified him. But God has not forsaken the Jewish people. God has not just laid them aside or cast them aside forever. Jesus will come again to the Jewish people a second time to rescue them. And when he comes the second time, the Jewish people will receive Jesus Christ as their Messiah and King. He's the God of the second chance. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, it says, The Lord God says, 
then they will look on me whom they pierced and they will mourn as one mourns for his only begotten son. Speaking of the Jewish people. And we could go on and on and on with example after example in the Bible. But the point is, our God is the God of the second chance. And this is a theme throughout the entire Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. And not only is he the God of the second chance, he's the God of the third chance and the fourth chance and the 10th chance and the 25th chance and the 100th chance. Do you know that? By a show of hands, how many of you here have blown it more than once in your life? For those of you that didn't raise your hand, I'd like to touch the hem of your garment after the services. My elbow's been bothering me. Maybe you can heal it for me. Jesus promised to never leave us and never forsake us. And it doesn't matter how many times we fail or how many times we mess up or how many times we rebel or how many times we go our own way or how many times we leave his way for our own will. When we humble ourselves and repent and turn back to him, God always takes us back. It's like the father in the parable of the prodigal son who was waiting and watching for his son to return. And when his son finally returned, he throws a big celebration to celebrate his son's return. That's our father in heaven. And aren't you glad for that? Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that God is not the God of the one chance or the only chance? Aren't you glad that God does not say to us, you've got one shot. And you better get it right the first time and you better get it right every time or you're out. If that were the case, we'd all be doomed. We all would be out. God likes to use imperfect people like us who fail and who fall short. Why is that? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says God likes to use foolish things to confound the wise and the weak to put to shame the mighty. God likes to use nobodies and nothings. People like you and me. It says so that no flesh will glory in his sight. We all glory in him. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, it says that God chooses people like us to the praise of the glory of his grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace. That means that when people see God using us, they say, wow, God is so gracious. And they praise God for his glorious grace. That he would use people like you and people like me. As inconsistent and unreliable as we are. And so here with Jonah, the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And he gives him the exact same call saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. If if you're taking notes, you can jot down down Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He does not withdraw his calling on our lives. His calling is irrevocable. Now, note here that Jonah is to preach 
the message that God tells him to preach. Do you see that in verse 2? Preach to it the message that I tell you. Jonah is to preach God's word, not his own word. Now, those who have the privilege of preaching or teaching, whether here in a pulpit or in a Sunday school classroom and teaching God's word, proclaiming God's word, it is a privilege. But we should proclaim God's word and not our words and not man's word. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now. Search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes to Timothy, who was a pastor in Ephesus. He says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Paul tells Timothy, this young pastor, and he reminds him first, there's going to be a judgment. You're going to be judged. And so Timothy preached the word. He says, be ready in season or out of season. In other words, preach the word, whether it's popular or unpopular, You just keep preaching the word for the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. I believe we could say the time has come when people will not endure sound doctrine. So he says for you, Timothy, don't worry about what they're doing, but you, you just preach the word because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, what they want to hear. They will have itching ears and they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. So they're going to turn away from the truth and turn to fables, which are just made up things. Made up stories. And so Paul tells us that there will be a time, and again, I believe we're in that time, where people will not endure sound doctrine or sound Bible teaching And sadly, he tells us there will be heaps of teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Instead of telling them the truth. They'll proclaim the wisdom of men and human philosophy. Which are fables. Instead of the truth of God's word. Jonah 
was commanded to preach the message he received from the Lord and nothing else. And so Jonah arose, verse 3, and he went to Nineveh. Now, remember, Nineveh is about 550 miles away from where Jonah was in Israel, in Joppa. So this is probably like a month-long journey to get to Nineveh. And he arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Now, we've, I've mentioned this before, but Nineveh was an Assyrian city at this time. It would later become the capital city of the Assyrians. It was already an ancient city in Jonah's day. Nineveh is mentioned back in Genesis chapter 10 in the table of nations. And in Jonah's day, the city of Nineveh was already 1500 years old. And it says it was an exceedingly great city, a three day journey in extent. It would take three days to walk around the city. The city of Nineveh sat on the eastern bank of the Tigris River. It was one of the largest cities in the ancient world. It's estimated that it covered an area of approximately 240 square miles. Now, just to give you some perspective, because I know that's just numbers. Washington, D.C. is 68 square miles. So this says 240 square miles. The city had a wall around the city that ran for 60 miles. The wall was 100 feet high. It was broad enough for three chariots to drive side by side on top of the wall. The city wall also had 1,500 towers. Each were over 200 feet tall. None of this will be on the test in heaven, so you don't have to worry about the numbers here. But I'm just trying to give you an idea. It was an exceedingly great city. Now, there's an interesting prophecy in the book of Zephaniah. You don't have to turn there. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, there's a Zephaniah in the Bible? There's an interesting prophecy in the book of Zephaniah about the city of Nineveh that I just want you to write down and I'll read it to you. Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. Here's what it says, and you'll catch the drift of it here. It's talking about the judgment of Nineveh that will come. And God will stretch out his hand against the north, destroy Assyria, and make Nineveh a desolation. As dry as the wilderness, the herds shall lie down in her midst. Every beast of the nation, both the pelicans and the bittern, the heron, shall nest. Listen to this. The pelican and the bittern or the heron shall nest on the capitals of her pillars. Now, pelicans and bitterns nest on the ground. So when it says that they're going to nest on top of the pillars... What it's saying is those pillars are going to be buried so that the pelicans are actually on the ground, but they're on top of the pillars of the buildings of the city. Desolation shall be at the threshold, for he will lay bare the cedar work. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt securely, that said in her heart, I am it. I like that. They said, I am it. And there is none besides me. How has she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down? Everyone who passes by her shall hiss, go, and shall shake her fist. God said in Zephaniah chapter 2 that he would judge the city of Nineveh, that he would make it a wasteland, make it like a wilderness, a place for shepherds to bring their herds to graze. 
the great city of, of Nineveh will be buried and covered over by the earth and become a place of grazing. A city that is four times the size of Washington, D.C. It's going to be completely buried. Now, I point that prophecy out because for years, archaeologists could not find the city of Nineveh. And supposed scholars, you know, in air quotes, declared that the city of Nineveh never existed. Because there's no trace of it anywhere in Assyria. And therefore, the story of Jonah is fiction. It's made up. Because the whole story is centered on this one city that they said never existed. They said that until they found it. In the mid-1800s, archaeologists found the city of Nineveh, and it became one of the greatest archaeological discoveries of all time. Today, if you go to the British Museum in London, they have an entire section in the museum dedicated to artifacts from the city of Nineveh. They have a whole room just for Nineveh. The Bible always proves to be true. The Bible always proves to be true and it always proves to be infallible. That is without error. Always. You can count on the Bible. I was talking to a few people today and telling them, I remember back in the late 1990s when Chuck Smith I remember Chuck Smith saying that Russia will become a major power in the world again and will become an aggressor in the world in the future because there's a prophecy in Ezekiel 38 that describes Russia invading the land of Israel. That's future. It's yet to be fulfilled. And back in the 90s, I remember Chuck Smith saying, you watch Russia will become a world power again. And that was back when Russia was barely a country. And I remember thinking at the time, how will Russia ever become a world power again? Now, how could Chuck Smith be so confident that Russia would become a world power again? Because the Bible always proves to be true. And there is this prophecy in Ezekiel 38 that describes a coalition of nations led by Russia and Persia, which is modern-day Iran, invading the land of Israel. The Bible always proves to be true. You can count on it. Now, verse 4. Some of you are thinking, why don't you talk about that? Why don't you go to Ezekiel 38 and do that instead? Because we're in Jonah. That seems more relevant. Yes, it is. But we're in Jonah. Verse 4, it says, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Remember, Jonah proclaimed the message that God gave him to preach. And that message was only eight words long in English. It was five words in Hebrew. And the greatest revival in history resulted from that message. As we're going to see, the entire city repented. He 
listening to Pastor Dan Sexton on Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan's been teaching through the book of Jonah, found in the Old Testament among the minor prophets. Jonah's tale is well known, mainly for the big fish that swallowed him. But there's plenty of additional lessons to learn from this man and his story. We hope you'll join us next time as Pastor Dan continues to share from this book. Ring of Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. If you're in the Columbia, Maryland area, come see us. We'd be honored to have you join us for worship, fellowship, and time studying God's Word. When you visit, be sure to let us know you've been listening to Ring of Truth. We are currently meeting on Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Or join us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for a midweek time to reconnect and study the Bible together. You can find our location and more information about Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City on our website, calvaryec.com. If you're not in the area, you can watch online. You'll also find more teachings from this series and others Pastor Dan has shared on our site. And you can find a link to connect through Facebook. Once again, that website is calvaryec.com. We've come to the end of our time for today, but we encourage you to continue reading through the book of Jonah. And then join us again next time for another edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.